0: Do you think we need to outline what this show is going to be about, or should we just go?
1: We won't follow the outline anyways. Let's just roll with it.
0: Excellent point. Hi, I'm George Techmanchev here with Steve the Anderson for the first podcast of 2018. You know, we started this uh, going on three years ago now. Did we? Copenhagen was our first podcast. World championship.
1: Huh. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Two and a half years. Yeah.
0: So there you go. We'll see if we make it the next half year to bring it to three. I, I have my doubts, but we'll see. <laughs> hey, folks, it is uh, it is a new year, and with a new year, it gives us an opportunity to look back a little bit.
1: How do you take a screenshot on an iPhone
0: X? Okay, you press the upper, up and, power. upper, upper and the side button. Darn, there you go. Got it. All right. Yeah, the iPhone X10. 10, 10 yeah. X10.
1: See, it's the ten they call it the ten on the keynote address. They do. But everybody in the world calls it the
0: X. So what do you call the operating system? If you're familiar, <laughs> there's the operating system OS OS X. Except it's O X it's OS ten.
1: See, I never called it that. Because before that was life. OS nine. Well, it only makes sense. But there before this there was no iPhone
0: nine. True enough.
1: But I, I have corrected a lot of people and called it iPhone ten. Yeah. But it's, they've beaten me down to the point where I just called it the iPhone X right there.
0: I've heard, I don't know this firsthand, but I've heard that some Apple store employees call it the X.
1: Yes, the one I bought it from, she called it the X. Well, can you blame them? I, a lot of confusion, I guess.
0: That's a uh, Coke Zero with... Cherry, cherry Coke Zero. Cherry Coke Zero. Yeah. Caffeine-free Cherry Coke Zero.
1: No, it's got caffeine.
0: Oh, it does? Yeah. Okay. Calorie-free. Calorie-free. Yeah. Calorie-free. Well, there you go. There's no free lunch, though.
1: No, they all kill you. Everything kills you. Sooner
0: or later, it's part of life. All right. Life will kill you. (laughs) Speaking of looking back and looking forward. So we've had a heck of a year. We've had a world championship year that saw new world champions crowned. Um, And we've got a very, you know, still pretty busy year coming up. Uh, going into 2018. There's a whole bunch of stuff.
1: It's as busy as, uh, as they always are.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Busier than the proverbial one-legged man in the butt kicking contest. So <laughs> let's start by looking back. Um, what's Give me some highlights. Steve. You know, when what?
1: I was in college, uh, my best friend, Logan Kimball, had a 1993 Toyota Camry with no rear view mirror. And when people would say, hey, Logan, you don't have a rear view mirror, he'd say, yeah, it's a metaphor. And they'd say, what do you mean? And he'd go, I don't look back
0: don't worry about what's behind you as long as you're going fast enough
1: yeah it was pretty fun
0: it's kind of my my philosophy of motorcycling i suppose yeah. i don't worry what's behind me you know? yeah it's, it's just what's in front you know that's all that matters i suppose a guy like mark marquez might say something like that you know
1: <laughs> he From, also had about two gallons of water in the door just he <laughs> yeah, was just stuck
0: in the door it was left awesome. his window open in the rain what i
1: don't know just all you know had a had a seal issue or something but i i don't know it might have been beneficial in the event of a side impact
0: oh well, uh, yeah sure yeah a little bit of you know like those barriers that they put on the freeway that yeah. have water in them yeah yeah there must be something to that water filled door, doors it i slosh. wonder why i wonder how many miles per gallon that must have cost <laughs> extra because of the weight all righty you know we uh we chose not to do listener questions for this particular podcast. You know why?
1: Well, you said it was because we didn't care what they had to say.
0: That's not what I said. <laughs> it's absolutely not what I said. <laughs> what I did say <laughs> is that we frequently get the same questions over and over again with insufficient information. So what I'm going to do in the next few weeks is I'll, I'm will i going to post on our Easton blog on Easton Tarket – what is it? EastonArchery.com. On EastonArchery.com, I'm going to post – Rules for asking a question on the podcast. You've got to tell us what bow you're using or at least, you know, if it's compound or recurve.
1: So you're going to make a template.
0: Left or right-handed.
1: You're going to make a template for these people.
0: Uh huh. Release your fingers. I like it. Because we're getting questions where those things aren't being addressed at all. So it's Here's like- what
1: we do. Every time you are posting to say that we're doing a podcast, post your questions below. Use this template, copy and paste. You provide the template there for them to. You know that's an excellent from. point. Now you might uh, some some uh, cell phones and mobile devices. I think they have a hard time copying a uh, a post, but if they're on a computer, no issue.
0: Okay, excellent point. Or you could even
1: lead the comments with the template.
0: That would or be the way. Or both. Uh huh. Make it easier for people. That's what the goal should be. Right I'm on top of Let's things make it today. Put that thing on silent mode, would you? Efforting. There you go. Thank you. How's that silicone case working out?
1: I love it. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: I think that's the only color that's worth a darn.
1: They have some, the, the red is nice.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if it stays that color.
1: It's a, it's like a Honda red, Honda 140, mm. 152. Mm-hmm. What was the uh, Pantone code?
0: You know, I don't remember off the top of my head right now, but I did happen to look it up. Uh, anyway, yeah. All right. Shall we talk about archery a little bit? Uh, okay. We haven't really talked about archery. Of course, we, you know, this thing's evolving. You know, it's evolving. It is. It's evolving. It's becoming something different than what it used to be, where we talk about specific events and what happened at those specific events. And actually, that's where we want to go back to right now. So um, let's start with highlights of the season. Actually, I want to take it from the macro, from the micro to the macro. The micro being Steve Anderson's personal experience at World Cup season this year. And then the macro being the big picture, things like the world championship, things like the you know, just how the events went. Just as a starting point. Because you know we won't stay there, so. Okay. Tell me about your highlight of the year.
1: Oh man, well, I you know, I'd say my highlight of the year was uh, was actually winning NFAA indoor. When it came down to Stefan and I.
0: Yeah, because that required some serious haulage of the mail. Uh,
1: And it was also one I didn't have a lot of expectations for. Sure. So I had injured my back. I don't know, like it was a bad bed. I slept on in this really crappy hotel in Cincinnati. And I didn't, I just hoped I could shoot well enough to make it through. You know, these other guys around me are going, oh, I shot 60 X and 57 were inside out. And I'm like, yeah, I, I shot like 12 inside out X's, but I made it through. And then day two, I felt a lot better. Shot a really good score, a lot of inside-out Xs, did what I needed to do, got in the shoot-off, and, and won.
0: But So, you know, no expectations going into the thing because of uh, just the situation the way it was.
1: Yeah, and it's such a long event and mentally taxing that it's really easy to get bored. Like, you're shooting extremely well, and you just get so bored because you're there for five hours on the line shooting at a five spot target so you know it's a pretty easy an hour four to to fall asleep and miss one even if you're shooting phenomenal
0: in other words you had to stay on top of your mental game the entire time which is hard to do i mean it's yeah. it, that's not
1: easy in a way you know having a, a hurt back kind of helped because you had i had to like you know bear down on every shot so it's all good
0: now you're giving a little short shrift to how you won because that was an epic shoot off multiple rounds
1: yeah, we went. I think we went four ends. So
0: yeah, that's like was, shooting uh, Vegas practically. Kind you know. of. Yes,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the finals
0: in Vegas. You know.
1: Yeah, it was uh, first end we knocked out, you know, a few guys, and second end a few more, and it, it may maybe it was five ends. I don't remember. Um, but then it came down to to Stefan and Aaron Tedford and I, and uh, and Aaron missed and. There, I was mic'd up the whole time. There's audio of what, what we were talking about, you know.
0: For the entire time? Yeah,
1: yeah, the whole time. So uh, Bo Junkie Media has audio of me on their stuff, on their video. And, and I said to Stefan after Aaron was out, I said, well, it's just you and I. We could go. I, I think I said something like we could go all night or we could just get it over with right now. And sure enough, that end, it was over with. So yeah, I didn't say that to him, like, in a way to – try to get in his head or anything and stefan knows that no and, no of course yeah, we were we were making friendly banter on the line and and he felt the same way like you know one of us has to win one of
0: us has to lose there's a guy who had a great year yeah overall um but so did you i mean you know bronze uh, medal at the uh, world championship and the team round or yeah
1: my first seven mm-hmm. months eight months were my first six months were really good yeah my next three were okay.
0: Really long, long schedule, though. Tons of travel for you.
1: Yeah, I did 180,000 MQMs this year. You
0: know, I don't think I've – I'm, I'm a 2 million miler on Delta Airlines, and I don't believe I've ever accomplished that – I think 175,000 is the most I ever flew in a year. So that's uh, – I can't even begin to think about that.
1: Yeah, I had some rollover, but I probably truthfully flew around the world six times.
0: Uh-huh, Yeah. I mean, that's that's insane. Uh, and, you know, one of the guys uh, that we work with, Nate, he uh, he mentioned something that I think is worth bringing up, and that was, you know, do we have any travel tips? And I, I might have some, and I know you do. Um, maybe that might be worth touching on before we wrap this up, if we remember to. Uh,
1: you know, that might be. We, we kind of did something on travel tips in a podcast episode very early on. Yeah. It'd be a good one to sp- do a do a podcast specifically about? I think we could cover 30, 40 minutes of that. Yeah, and there would be plenty of people's questions on how to get around with a bow. Yeah, and you probably have a lot of uh, experience traveling, you know, via train and things like train, plane, well, and automobile. Well, yeah. Man, yeah. So I, I'm <laughs> not. I, I've done a few trains with the bow case, and I'm not super experienced. And mostly, I just try to get on the car as fast as I can and push everybody out the way, and and then. You know, they don't mess with me because I've got a bow and they think it might be a gun or something. But, you know, that's yeah. my plan for the train. But I'm not very good
0: on it. My my sketchiest travel experience ever was flying through Paris with my recurve bow, and I got pulled off the plane.
1: Maybe you don't finish this story. Maybe you do an abridged story and the detailed story in our travel podcast. All
0: right. Let's just say it's a bad idea to make the French authorities think you've got a gun that you didn't declare (laughs) because more guns are involved. Okay. And I'll leave it at that.
1: That's always better when more guns are involved.
0: Not when they're pointed at you. (laughs) All right, then
1: what was your, uh, what was your best travel moment of 2017?
0: I think honestly,
1: like an interesting moment or something that you did that was, that was cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a good question. So I went to uh, I went to Japan back in uh, November, October, late October of this year, and uh, I got to visit uh, the Shogun Tokugawa's tomb and the most elaborate Shinto temple in Japan, and that was a very touristy thing for me to do. And as you know, I never get to. I never really do touristy stuff, right? I never. Right. I never i've been to six olympic games and i've never seen anything but archery so i figure that's my bad it's not it's not the fault of the schedule or the fault of the organizers of whatever i'm going to or whatever that's my fault so i decided to turn a new leaf and start trying to work in at least one sightseeing slash touristy thing when i go to you know, one of these places. I've been to Japan more than 50 times mm-hmm. and I can tell you that I regret not having done more of that now. So I'm glad that I did it and I'm going to do more of it. Um, and I, am going to make that as a recommendation for anybody out there. If you're, if you're just going to archery tournaments and you're not getting a chance to get out there, uh, don't do what I did. Get out there, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I try to do, you know, some stuff here and there, but it just depends on the event and where it you're It does. At. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I would say, you 're spending time to travel halfway around the world don't do it just for archery I mean take a day and go somewhere else so you know the last couple of years after neem I go to Paris for a day and hang out there and then uh, then head home so got yeah. to see that and, and do all that but yeah if you're if you're over there you got yourself there you might as well spend a little extra time yeah
0: I'm, I'm doing something like that on this upcoming I've got a interesting next couple of months I've got to go to Japan in a couple of weeks. There's a big tournament going on in Osaka that I'm obliged to be at, which is going to be fun, I'm sure. And then uh, I'm just spending a few days there. I'm flying back, and then we've got Vegas. We've got the Vegas shoot. Going from Vegas to Yankton um, with the uh, world championship, the world indoor championship, what could be the last world indoor championship. Nobody knows for sure yet. And then um, from there, i got to go to Thailand um, for the Asia Cup. And then I'm going to actually uh, spend a couple days in Japan after that, just to hang, just to chill out, and then I come back here for about six days, I think, or seven days, and back to Japan for the uh, high school championship there. So that that's a a lot of travel in a short time. Yeah, but it's all right. Bangkok included. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So that's I figure a hundred degree temperature swing potentially because going from uh, I fly to Omaha, Nebraska. Right, which right now is eleven degrees below zero Fahrenheit. It could very well be, you know, somewhere around zero, you know, when I when I uh when I get there for the world indoor and then I'm going to Thailand, which is gonna be something like forty degrees centigrade.
1: So what is that in our uh hybrid temperature gauge that we had? Felvin or whatever. It yeah, was.
0: Felvia, felvia, fel Celsius uh, and Fahrenheit uh Felsius. Celsius, yeah. Yes. I don't know, but it's probably um, – it's got to be about a 40-degree swing, uh, yeah. and it would be a 100-degree swing on a Fahrenheit thermometer. 100-degree difference. So, yeah, going from about minus 10C to 40C potentially. Good times. Could be worse than that now that I think about it. Actually, it would be minus 20C potentially. Yeah. So, Yeah. That's an 80-degree C difference, potentially. So
1: you uh, you went and had the fish in Japan that can kill you.
0: Oh, the fugu? Fugu. I do the fugu all the time, man. So I have until, a dear friend... Until you do it one last time. Uh, well, there is that. You know, the fugu is the... The uh, fugu is blowfish, okay? It's, it's puffer fish. And you've got to be a licensed chef to prepare it in Japan. Or a really trusted housewife of a friend of mine who prepares it. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. So I figure if I die, it'll be, you know, among friends. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that's overrated. I I know there was a Simpsons episode on the subject once, though.
1: I remember something about that, and the Simpsons have covered virtually everything.
0: I think I didn't know about the Simpsons episode until I'd mentioned in social media that I had Fugu and somebody... Somebody said something. somebody sent me a link, hmm. and it was rather amusing. No fugu for me. Well, you know it all depends. I, I think it depends upon the circumstances and where you're going and where you are and all that. For so, me, I, you know, not an issue. Hmm. But uh, you know, what's deadlier than fugu is mochi. Mochi is the traditional New Year's little rice cake. It's a pounded rice cake, and it's it's very glutinous. You know, it's very sticky. And at something like 10 people a year die from choking to death at New Year's trying to eat this stuff.
1: Seems like something that they should continue to try to eat, I guess. And you do you think eventually you'd be like, you know, people die a lot. Let's maybe keep a glass of water nearby.
0: I think of it as the Isle of Man of Foods. <laughs> except without the TV coverage right but you know the Isle of Man race the the Isle of Man tourist trophy the TT yeah is the deadliest race in the world Um, you know generally a couple of motorcyclists a year get killed on that thing and and fundamentally it's it's like mochi Mm. you know in that yes it could kill you but the the benefits to society and to motorsport and everything else outweigh the risks.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it benefits society for me to watch people die. No, I'm just no, kidding. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> in fact, I, I just heard about some YouTuber who got in a lot of trouble for that. For for uh, Mochi or Isle of Man? Actually, for showing a uh, person who'd uh, succumbed to uh, suicide in the forests near Mount Fuji. This was just a couple oh. of days ago. Big deal. It was a big deal. So do I, maybe, not, maybe not the hottest idea to make light of this. No, no, because it's not funny. But it is, nevertheless, more dead, more deadly, more more risky. I would say per capita than Fugu.
1: It makes sense. Yeah. So.
0: All right then. Now that the rails are completely. Yeah, gone. we
1: haven't even really. We talked about archery for like two minutes. Yeah. What was your What was your top moment? Let's do two. Let's do your top moment.
0: I was really happy to see Im Dong Hyung win the world championship.
1: Now, the top moment that you were announcing at.
0: Oh, I didn't do hardly any of that this year. But uh, I suppose Mike Schleuser winning Vegas. Okay. I think that was a popular moment.
1: I thought it was going to be maybe me uh, losing gold medal match at the indoor world final.
0: Well, I was I there?
1: Yeah, you were announcing. I, I lost. Okay, I did not win silver. If, I lost the gold medal, if cards. you had won,
0: that would be my <laughs> highlight. All
1: right, it Does was mean- so such a highlight to you that you—well, it's because it wasn't uh, such a moment of euphoria. You celebrating my victory that you completely eradicated the memory from your mind.
0: Well, you understand that I as couldn't the even an- remember that you were there. You know that as the announcer that I don't have favorites in the actual competition. From the, I, I try to be as objective as I can be. Seriously, all joking aside. Well, I know you try. Well, <laughs> and generally, I think I succeed. <laughs> There might be some people (laughs) with a different point of view. But generally, I think I I keep it pretty level, more or less, not to get defensive, more than necessary. But I do think that, um, I do think Im Dong-Hyung winning the the Olympics, winning the uh, World Championship was a pretty, pretty uh, epic thing you know when you consider the longevity of his career how hard it is to stay on top in the korean team and
1: yeah, he I mean, has just, a
0: world title already right yeah but you From know like 2009 yeah like yeah but but you know he's no he idea. set an olympic record in 2004 i think his first olympics was in 2000 maybe he's got to love archery especially recurve to keep doing it at that level at that level the at work that level it takes yeah you know and he's either
1: got to really love archery Or the guy's just got nothing else going on in his life.
0: He also set a record at uh, London 2012. Set an Olympic record.
1: Which is now gone.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, deservedly so. But still, you know, to win a world championship this far into things and and to be in that much deep water.
1: (laughs) He made a run at the World Cup final as well. Yes, indeed. I think he was third.
0: Yep, yep. Which is arguably, you know, you talk about the – you talk about the fact that the Neem European Indoor is is the de facto in a lot in the minds of a lot of shooters it's the de facto championship of the
1: world i don't think a lot of shooters actually think that because they haven't been told that they need to think that
0: okay but i am i am high on that horse i think it, you're not alone
1: no once people think about it for a second they go yeah that's true
0: when you think about who's there yeah
1: because yeah. indoor worlds in yankton or wherever is one thing but uh, the hardest part about winning it, to me, this year, was making it through our trials. I was eighth at our trials. The world indoor. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, I mean, admittedly, I shot about as poor as I ever have. But there were, uh, you know, Real Wild didn't make the cut at our trials. Yeah, that's... That's how competitive it was. That's super competitive.
0: So... Well, it used to be that way for our Olympic team. I mean, you know, in order to make our Olympic team, you had to get past Daryl Pace and Rick McKinney and Jay Bars. I mean, you know, that was not an easy – that was not trivial. FedEx
1: guy just did a burnout.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Pretty remarkable.
1: You know, I'm going to – speaking of podcast rules, you want to do podcast question rules, I'm going to do podcast rules. I'm not podcasting unless we're in Nate's office or in this room because – it's a lot more exciting to watch what's happening out the window with Leaf Blower Guy or now.
0: Leaf Blower Guy was the epic <laughs> podcast, I think. Yeah. It was our podcast highlight of 2017.
1: Yeah, you got to say it. By it popular, got the most comments. It got and- the
0: most comments. Uh, it did. Yeah, and this. Uh, it certainly got the most witty comments. Yeah. Mostly from the Aussies.
1: Yeah. And, and there was, uh, you know, Steve Yee uh, here. Yeah, he, I know he Steve. He lives in Arizona. He had some posts about it, and a lot of people commented he on did. that. He did.
0: He did. I think Steve and Chuck both. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot Chuck, of our friend Chuck Cooley. A lot of positive response to the uh, leaf blower riding machine. Guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which you know may may create the opportunity for another podcast to talk about things like um, farm equipment.
1: Well, I know a lot about farm equipment. I know you do.
0: I don't know anything about farm equipment except that a uh, lot of it's green with some yellow paint.
1: I bet you would have a. I bet you'd have a pretty good understanding of farm equipment, being that much of it's you know hydraulic. Yeah. And you know that stuff.
0: And some of that stuff's turbo supercharged.
1: Uh, it's what?
0: They've got turbochargers and superchargers on those things.
1: Not the ones I'm familiar with. Oh, I
0: saw one. It was the a giant, giant combine.
1: Yeah. I, I know that uh, some of my dad's equipment, I was told, I don't know, I was told that the transmission on it is roughly the size of a Volkswagen Beetle.
0: And some of this stuff is multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. Yeah,
1: it's pretty... Pretty costly to feed the world. No doubt. All right, moving on. <laughs> we touched on archery again there for a few minutes. So. I, I'm, I'm
0: seriously sitting here right now wondering, should I have Jay edit out the last 20 minutes? No, no.
1: I think our people maybe can give us some feedback. You know, what's our ratio of archery speak to non-archery speak, and what do they prefer?
0: Well, I think they listen to this because it's an archery podcast.
1: I bet we're going on like a one-minute to five-minute ratio this episode yes but the rest of the episodes it's it's opposite. yeah normally yeah
0: getting back to uh getting back to the upcoming season the year that okay we'll stick with the year that was do we have
1: anything more to talk about
0: well i'm thinking i mean you know we had uh, we had some pretty good outcomes in some of the various uh events actually you know what we haven't talked about at all was really the uh indoor trials for the world team for the united states and you know one of the highlights that world archery picked was that uh mary ham oh yeah mary zorn former mary Mary ham zorn mary ham zorn she prefers to be called ham
1: zorn now no mary at all i okay just call her ham zorn
0: Uh uh-huh sounds like a it sounds like a very intimidating you know name like it's a single name right it's like madonna ham zorn ham zorn Anyways, you can
1: kind of put a space between it, but it's Hamzorn.
0: Do you know Mary probably gave up Who? more money? I mean Hamzorn probably gave up more money because of NCAA rules, uh, national collegiate,
1: which is <laughs> dumb. They're not even in the NCAA. Well,
0: except that she went to Texas A and M. But did she play a NCAA sport? And it was a it was a uh, at Texas A and M archery was a full. Uh, a full ride sport she was uh, I don't know if she personally was on a on an archery scholarship I'm pretty sure she probably was but she could not accept years and years and years of Vegas money but she could
1: have because they're not under the NCAA
0: at the time she couldn't
1: that doesn't make sense to me well NCAA doesn't have archery
0: it was collegiate the it was a collegiate thing and she could oh, not take the money
1: i know it's possible they were under NCAA only for Title Nine.
0: Yes, I'm. I'm thinking that's what it was. And NCAA
1: so, doesn't contest archery. Right, right, right.
0: But but it was a Title Nine an program. Athletic
1: sponsor, uh, athletic scholarship to a woman uh, would have fulfilled the Title Nine requirement. That's
0: what I'm getting at. And so, incredible. She gave up tens of thousands of dollars. You know, more than uh, yeah. And and I could be wrong about this. I'm pretty sure she had the first 1400 score outdoors. Um pretty sure that's right I I think she was the first woman to break 1400 in a feet around outdoors um, with a with a compound bow and um, I think she cleaned Vegas at least once one time yeah 900 points which is uh, you know pretty serious uh, oh, here it is I just looked it up and Mary did uh, Hamzorn did uh, shoot a 1401 at the US Nationals 2003 in New York City so uh, she won the Outdoor Worlds that same year. Interesting. So they did USA Nationals. Sorry, she shot 1401 at the U.S. Nationals, uh, which were probably in Michigan at that oh, okay. time. And then she won the Outdoor Worlds in New York hmm. uh, that same year. Yeah. She was the Outdoor... She was Indoor World Champion in 2001, 5, and 9. And, and 2009 is the last time she competed internationally. So, you know, here she is pushing a decade... Away yeah. from, and I guarantee you, that she will be a force to contend with. But you know who else did very well at uh, the trials in Yankton was Crystal Galvin, the former compound shooter picking up a recurve.
1: I don't know. I don't. Yes, she did well. Let's establish that. The other side of it is, what does it say about the state of women's recurve in the U.S.? Either Crystal is really super freaking good and figured this game out at an astronomical rate faster than anybody else has and possesses unbeatable talent once it is fully developed or our five-time Olympian got beat in a shoot off 6 you talking because, about Katuna. Yes, because there, okay. With all due respect to Crystal, there's no way she has as refined of a shot process as Katuna does at this point. Crystal took it to her mentally. Crystal's okay. just a better shooter mentally.
0: I won't argue that. Yeah, I she think knows, she
1: she's proven that she knows how to get on the podium and win.
0: Look, you have to have a rock solid mental game mm-hmm. to be able to succeed at compound. That's
1: that just goes to show everybody who who shoots competitively that it is it's not ninety ten mental to physical. It's n- it's a ninety nine to one.
0: I totally I mean, agree with you. I'm not going to argue that. I do think that Crystal has a work ethic that is probably unmatched or right up yeah. there with anybody. And I think that Crystal is a talented recurve shooter.
1: I think she is, and I do think. I mean, we're not taking anything away from her, but no, but that mental game. She just hasn't had the time in it to right. have as refined of a process. But
0: that mental game is already there. No, she's from better, compound. She's
1: better mentally than a lot of. the And games. I'll say this all day most long: all. the
0: top compound guys are better mentally than most of the top recurve guys. Most. We because to be. well, yeah, you know, and I, you know, you look. I can relate on one level and don't take this as an insult, but, you know, I used to be a rifle competitor. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the same mental breakdown, the same process that has to be in place. The The term breakdown was the wrong term. I meant, you know, the, the process, right? Right. That process is pretty much the same whether you're shooting a compound or a rifle from the standpoint of execution at the time of execution. Now there's, because you're holding the weight of the bow, there's a whole different ball game going on. Which I think is actually making it harder, more difficult. So you're
1: saying, what's the thought? What, like, what's the thought process, though?
0: Well, in the case of rifle, most of the process involves focus on that front sight. Mm-hmm. When you're shooting irons, focus on that front sight. The rest happens more or less automatically. Yes. When the shot breaks, it's meant to be a surprise.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, subconsciously, the sight is where it's supposed to be, and the surprise happens because the subconscious finishes the job.
0: Agreed. So from that specific point of view, now I think there's a lot more pitfalls in shooting a compound bow, partly because of the weight involved and partly because of the you know, the fact that you don't have a stock holding everything in alignment. You are the mm-hmm. stock. Mm-hmm. And so I think that makes it more challenging than shooting a rifle, by far, in my mind. But I also think that somebody like a Crystal Galvin, who has mastered, arguably, the pinnacle of compound competition. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a powerful weapon. Yeah, playing recurve.
1: Yeah, because she she understands the there there are two sides, two ways to think about it. And a lot of recurve people think we're going to try to hit the 10. And a lot of compound people think I'm not going to miss the 10.
0: Yep, that's exactly right.
1: So Crystal may it may work out for her. I I you know, I don't know how she's approaching it, but she knows how to win in the moment. She's, she's been on virtually every podium in the compound side. And she did that in a matter of like three years.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Which shows you there's the talent. That's, yeah. that's where talent is manifested. Yeah.
1: I, I, I'm guessing that,
0: you know, Katuna was a little bit intimidated to shoot against her. Another uh, interesting person.
1: Give her, give her five more years and watch out.
0: Another interesting person to make the team. Um, I'm thinking about a couple of people here. Uh, one of them, Vic Wonderly. Now, that's a that's a fellow with some longevity as a career, you know, shooting-wise. For Vic to make another world team when you've got the kind of um, competitive situation that's out there is is very remarkable and a great testimony to Vic. And then you've got um, Mackenzie Brown, mm-hmm. who is continuing on a positive trajectory. Yep, You just held your hand up at a 45-degree angle, and I totally agree. <laughs>
1: I pointed upwards. Yes. <laughs> I pointed upwards.
0: You did. <laughs> Jesse Broadwater made the team.
1: Yeah, and, and Mackenzie is shooting really well, and she has a... She has a, a, winner's, a winner's attitude as well. Absolutely. She's got a,
0: a strong game yeah. mentally. And uh, I think that going to Rio and doing well in Rio was not, did not hurt. Not even a little bit. She's definitely taking that energy and, and making... I, I will see her on the field in Tokyo, guarantee it. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, that's interesting is the former Russian, USSR shooter uh Tatiana Muntian who is a coach these days here in the United States but Tatiana is not to be trifled with she is a product of the same program that turned out Katuna and uh was a top shooter finishing I think on the podium in the 88 Olympic Games gotta look that up but uh she's uh absolutely uh first class uh product of the old Soviet system and um a fine person to boot. So that'll be a, a newcomer to the team, but uh not a newcomer to the sport by any means. For those of you who are puzzled by who that was, that's that is a legendary shooter by, She was
1: number two then, huh? Yep. I was not aware.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's uh she did very well at the eighty eight Olympic Games. So
1: So was she uh was she Georgian as well?
0: No, nah, she's I believe she's Russian. Because you got to remember back in the day, okay, Katuna shot for the Soviet Union because Georgia was part of that. Right. And then in Barcelona, which I'm pretty sure was her first Olympic game, she shot for the so-called CIS, the Coalition of Independent States, which was sort of the construct after the fall of the Soviet Union. But she was from the same program as Tatiana from the standpoint of training. Uh, they right. both had Dartin Balov as the coach at one time or another. I'm, I'm guessing in the case of Tatyana, but I know for sure in the case of Katuna. And most of the top shooters, uh, people like Vladimir Ishev, uh they all came from Balov's program. Uh, coach Balov, was a, uh, he was a tank commander in the Red Army and one of the toughest people I've ever met and a remarkably nice man. Um, unless you were <laughs> one of his students, in which case I think he had a, he was a bit of a taskmaster, hmm. passed away, uh, probably 15 years ago. So he was a legendary guy and he, he created a lot of top shooters. Um, you know, besides people like Katuna and people like Tatiana, uh, people like, um, you know, uh, just name any top Russian shooter from the day, Stanislav Zabrodsky. A lot of these people came from that program and were top-level competitors. Much of the technique of the Koreans today is an amalgamation of what the Russians developed along with what the Americans had developed back in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, uh, they've taken those things and they've applied them very successfully.
1: Hmm.
0: As you look out the window here in the Legacy Room at Easton, what is it now?
1: Uh, No, someone just did a really bad job backing up.
0: This is that time of day when you don't want to be leaving work because the folks in the production area are, it's it's like the scramble to leave. Yeah. You know, they've, they've completed their 10-hour their workday. They work four 10-hour days a week and uh, they are pedal to the metal. You're taking your life in your hands going out in mm-hmm. that parking lot once in a while.
1: Yeah, that person, they backed out and I felt like they should have backed out a little further and then cranked, you know, the wheel to the right. Uh, instead they, they cranked the wheel to the left and then backed out and then they had to do kind of a, a K turn to get out. It was, maybe there was something I didn't see.
0: So, you know, what's really clear to me is that
1: I totally heard everything you said about the Soviet union and
0: uh, yeah, I can see what goes through your mind when I start talking about (laughs) Ivan Drago, right? When I start talking about stuff like this, I see that I'm not going to. Keep your attention and probably half the listeners. Sort of.
1: No, I I listened. I did. Uh-huh. It's a, it's interesting stuff.
0: Well, it's you know you got to remember where you are or where you've been. Hey, I see that. Uh, I see that. Uh, check it out. Chris Wells from World Archery is on the American team.
1: Oh yeah, Jack.
0: <laughs> if this kid doesn't look like the brother of Chris Wells from World Archery,
1: yeah. Did you ever see when Chris Wells? Made himself the uh, Fita 1440 record holder.
0: I heard about it. Yeah.
1: And then he screenshot it and it, it lives on.
0: I heard about it. Yeah.
1: Every year he shares it again. Well,
0: since he runs the uh, website for World Archery, yeah. I guess he can do it. He could make himself an Olympic champion if he wanted to right. yeah. for a short time until <laughs> yeah. Tom's sense of humor runs out. <laughs> anyway, Mary Hamzorn and Crystal Galvin and Brady Ellison are the. Uh, are among the team, uh, Jack Williams, who we just mentioned, as well as Vic Wonderly and Mackenzie Brown, be representing the United States, along with uh, Chris Schaff. Is that right, Chris Schaff? Yeah. And uh, I think I mentioned earlier Tate Morgan. Tate Morgan made it. Yep. He shot really well. Jesse Broadwater. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paige Pierce-Gore. Yep. And um, a newcomer, I think, Brianna Theodore. Yeah, Brianna. So it looks like a... Um, a solid team to go to Yankton. Hopefully they'll pack lots of layers because it could be, it could be chilly.
1: Yeah. I, you know, it all, I, I, I had a CT scan this morning, right? Cause I, I heard about that.
0: I messed up in the head. It's not a Tuma.
1: Yeah, it's not. <laughs> you made that joke a few days ago. Although I was displaying all the symptoms of a possible tumor, um, in my sinus cavity. I felt bad for joking. I, about I knew you did. So I didn't like bring it up again, but, uh, then we made the joke that maybe I was Arnold Schwarzenegger in total recall total recall where he pulls the thing out of yeah, his yeah, nose. Yes. My nose. But no, I've had, uh, I've had a lot of sinus issues and, um, I'm getting a surgery done the week of indoor Worlds. So not making the team allowed me to do it that week, February 14th, rather than waiting until March 14th. And I've been dealing with some serious, serious sinus problems. So I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm not super upset to not be going to Yankton. No, and I don't
0: blame you. The cost
1: is about the same sure. <laughs> surgery or Yankton Works one out. of them. I could win a world championship. The other one, I could just feel better the rest of my life. Yes.
0: So it's, you know, a toss up, but did you, uh, did you bust your nose playing basketball or how did that happen?
1: Uh, yeah, I broke my nose actually uh, at a birthday party. I, I struck my face, dodging a pillow thrown at my head. Um, so I was at a birthday party. There's, you know, like 50, 60 kids. Uh, I was a junior in high school. And uh-huh. This girl ran across the room. and She was running funny or something. And I had a pillow. So I threw it at her. And I hit her. And everybody laughed. And we had a good time. And I went back to talking to my friends. And then she threw it back at me. And I saw it coming out of the corner of my eye. And, and being competitive, I wasn't about to let that pillow hit me in the head. So I ducked. Hard. It was dark. You ducked fast. Yes. It was dark and I didn't see the antique wooden chair below me because when you're six foot six, everything's kind of out of your peripherals. Sure. So, um, oftentimes people, you know, uh, I'll sometimes not see people. You'll who, knock over
0: the assorted two-year-old.
1: Yeah, it's not my fault. No. It's theirs, and if he dies, he dies. But anyhow, um, so I hit my nose on this, on this chair, and I came back up, and I said, oh, I just broke my nose, and everybody thought I was joking until... I removed my hands from my face and there was blood and mucus everywhere.
0: Gasps of horror because yeah. your nose was sideways.
1: And I, yeah. I broke it to the side from right to left. And there was a, a break in the skin as well. And blood was streaming out of, out of the top side of my nose. So it was coming from everywhere and, and, and just so much blood. And I went in the bathroom and everybody followed me in and I moved it back. You just went, yeah, yeah. But I didn't get it perfectly straight, and that's really not the issue. Eh.
0: Um, Although it looks straight right now, yeah. but it's inside that's kind of messed up.
1: Yeah, the 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 real issue is my right uh, sinus passage is. Let's say my left is a X twenty seven twelve. My right one is like the inner core tube of an X ten. Gotcha. So it just doesn't open up. Gotcha. So they're gonna they're gonna open it up. Now they said one of the uh, I'm sure everyone is interested in this. They said one of the possible but very rare side effects of the uh, surgery is that between my nostrils, it's potential it could leave a hole there.
0: A deviated, not a deviated, but no, a perforated, like right?
1: Right between. Oh. And I said, well, that's okay. Some people pay good money to have that Piercings. piercing done. Yeah. So if that happens, I'll put in a bull ring for a day. I see. And see what people think just don't
0: get a cut on your bowstring yeah so um time. yeah so you should be all healed up by the time you've got to go to shanghai
1: yeah the yeah so i did uh i planned it for that date because following following a long indoor season you know i i uh, like to take a little time away from archery because really starting starting thursday i'm only home a few days until like like less than 10 days uh going through vegas so this thursday today's Tuesday. Yep. So I've got a couple days here at home, and then I leave for Iowa. And then basically I'm on the go for six weeks. Yep. So. um, I can relate. Yeah, I get home from from Vegas, and I'll have that surgery, and I'll have a week. And then uh, the following week, I will go to Belize. I'm going fly fishing. For some
0: vacation time. Yeah. Me and my. Yeah, fly fishing with. Flies the size of a softball in a hundred and five pound line, or what? Uh, Are we talking tarpon here?
1: There will be some tarpon involved. Primarily, you get what's called the grand slam there. So you've got uh, tarpon, permit, and bonefish. And the bonefish, you'll probably—they're like a, you know, a, the trout of the sea, but not really. You don't fish for them like a trout, but um, similar in shape and size, and and except they run a lot and Mm -hmm. uh good fighter yeah and then the permit which is very selective fish if you catch a a permit you've done everything right and then the tarpon which is uh super strong the renowned fighting fish yeah so if we we catch all three of those it's the grand slam The grand slam it's like
0: the super slam for bow hunters
1: yeah so very good it'll be a good time going with my buddy zach porter and we are doing it our own way we're going to yeah, you know, if you go down there and you go to a fishing lodge, you pay a lot of money. And we're not we're we're doing an Airbnb um and we're hiring guides individually. We're not going through a, a big guide service and so I did a lot of research and I'm um, we're going to do it for about $1500 whereas most people would pay about 3500. Wow. So, we're going to be starting a podcast as well about that. You and about, your buddies, yeah, about fly fishing. Maybe if anyone's interested, they can message me and I'll I'll let them know. When yeah, I'm going. yeah.
0: In fact, I think I'd find that interesting. Um, yeah. Not because I go fly fishing, but just because sometimes it's interesting to hear about stuff that uh, you know that people do that they're passionate about. So, uh, yeah. we'll we'll get more four one one on that when you guys start podcasting. The um, upcoming season, of course, has a ton of stuff. That we're about to run into, starting off with the finale of the indoor World Cup. But before that, we've got Nîmes, which is coming up right after ATA show. So maybe uh, it might be interesting to some of our listeners to talk about ATA just a skosh. A lot Um, of people
1: call Nimes. Nimes.
0: I've noticed that.
1: I I like to correct them. I don't like
0: hearing it called Nimes. Well, if you were from France, you wouldn't want to have it called Nimes either. I wouldn't it would be want like Boise people,
1: being called Boisois or something, which is weirdly how it would be pronounced in France.
0: Which is trees, right? Trees, yeah. right. Yeah, Bois so, is Bois. trees. So here yeah. it's Boise, but there we Bois. Yeah, Boise is the city of trees. Yes, but you know, it's like somebody from Tuilla. Call oh, it Yeah, because it looks like Thule. Yeah. T O O Y L E. Yeah. 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 Neem. Nîmes. But before Neem, you you're going to Indianapolis. And there's the ATA show, yeah. which I've thankfully been able to dodge this year. Yeah,
1: I am apparently given my, uh, so people, you know, I don't know if people know this, but one of my two job titles is uh, ATA coordinator. You actually
0: have three job titles here. Well, number one I'm being, like the, you know, people. you're of you're <laughs> the pro staff. Yes. You're kind of a consultant to me and the engineers for, for compound target stuff. Yes. And you're in charge of all the shows. Um, that is things like the ATA show and the Vegas, the the, the, the show part of Vegas. ATA in
1: Vegas and Neem. And Neem. Those are, yeah, the, thankfully the other shows, some of the other sales shows, I don't have to do.
0: So this year, um, ATA is in Indianapolis again. And it's again, it's one of those closed industry-only shows, they say. Although goodness knows how many non-industry people I've had come up to meet an ATA show to... Ask for a sponsorship or whatever.
1: You said there's about 10,000 people in attendance and only like 3,500 are actually...
0: That was a stat that I saw. ...dealer customers. That's the stat that I saw.
1: I'm not a big fan of the ATA.
0: Well, we probably don't need to go there considering... My views
1: don't necessarily reflect those of Easton.
0: I think that's a wise disclaimer. Yes. Because um, for sure your views don't reflect those of Greg. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: This not is going odd. to come back to haunt us. You yeah. know it is. <laughs> anyway, a lot of effort for the ATA show. And uh, right after that, you're you're headed off to Nîmes. I decided to bag going to Nîmes, not because I don't want to go and not because Olivier is not a, a really good friend and anything else other than just quite brutally, honestly, self-preservation on my part.
1: Yeah, and you got you got Japan and me. It was-
0: well, the real issue yeah. was I would have had to fly to Japan directly from Neem. But that's not even the real issue. The real issue is... I'm able to walk again like a normal human being for the first time in two years because my back has healed up. And the last thing I want to do is jack it up because of, you know, 40 hours of plane flight in, you know, those circumstances. And so I'm taking it kind of easy, kind of easing back into this thing because it's it's quite a novel and, and nice thing to be able to stand up and walk across a room like a normal human being. Yeah, and if you got to decide between Trois Brasseurs and some of that high end ramen, there's no, no comparison. I like Trois Brasseurs. Eh. I know it's not the best place to go to, but it's, it's like the most Applebee's consistent of France. It's, it's, hey, come on. There's not that many choices around that venue. It's not. I'm not wild about the hippo. No, no, never the hippo. And you know,
1: Darren Chrisenberry saw things at a McDonald's that he told Royale me that, with cheese.
0: that I can never unsee. No, I don't head. I know what you're going to say and I
1: <laughs> it would it would immediately I think our podcast can I like just say this, story would get pulled off. Can of I just juice. say
0: that yes, it would. Can I just say this one thing though? And I know what you're I know the Chrisenberry story you're you're talking about.
1: Everybody ask Darren Chrisenberry.
0: Yeah, that's the only way you're gonna get this story is if you ask ask Darren Chrisenberry what happens at McDonald's in France. That's all I'm gonna say. There's no more to be said. But tell me that he's not one of the most pleasant people to travel with. Yeah, I like Darren Kristen He's maybe. awesome. So, all right, where was I? I was getting ready to talk about the stuff that's coming up. So we got Neem, and it's going to be another huge European indoor uh, with Olivier and his team from Arc Club de Neem, uh Once again, putting on a spectacle, arguably the uh, still the best uh, you know, final show of uh, of a regular circuit event do you think he has to pay for the neem dancers i would say probably something i don't know i would think they should
1: do it for the publicity yeah i was going to say exposure but that's probably not the word to use
0: i would say when
1: referring to the neem dancers there's so the not publicity.
0: that much there's not that much it's not no they don't
1: something. they I mean, don't but for those who have never seen it if i were to use that word they may uh, infer something that's not true.
0: I seem to recall somebody from an American company in archery getting a little bit high eyebrowed about, you know, what was going on there. But I, I don't think, generally speaking, it's pretty tame stuff. I mean, it's not. Yeah,
1: it's not. a No, it, it's, it's not. That
0: you wouldn't see on a cheerleading line exactly. in the NFL.
1: No, not even in the NFL. At a high school. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like a bad thing no i'll just say this maybe they aren't okay maybe i'm being mean but
0: i know what you're gonna I, it say it doesn't
1: seem as though they get together a lot to practice their routine
0: look i think that they are they're a very nice group to come to the event put on the show give the crowd something to enjoy uh-huh. and you know um I, I think like, they do yeah. a better job than the show we had in vegas a few years ago
1: yeah absolutely it's probably, you know, a local club or something. That, there's a lot of club activities in Europe, I think.
0: Sure. Absolutely. You, know,
1: you join the club. You do the club thing. Right, well, I am kind of jealous of it. When I was in Ireland, I really was fascinated by the idea that they're golf clubs. And I mean, uh, you know, club mm-hmm, yeah. of golf. Yeah. Not, not the uh, know sticks themselves. Yeah. Not persimmons. Yeah. Their uh, golf courses have great membership activities. Sure. Like, Whereas ours here, like, uh, you, you don't, if I wanted to watch the Ryder Cup here, I would stay at home and watch it. If they watch the Ryder Cup there, they go to the club and there's something going on at the course, the course clubhouse. Hmm. They go to the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. That's how I should say it. I see your point. And it was very cool.
0: I was just impressed with the fact that the, uh, I did a seminar a few years ago in Switzerland and the archery club there had a, uh, a full on espresso machine.
1: I think I remember you telling me about that. Was that was pretty cool. Because clubs are places to be over there. And same you know, when we uh when we saw some of that stuff in China, I didn't see it, but Jeff did and Mike Looper did. And they treat those shooting ranges much as yep. hangout spots. I and, saw that one
0: range and it was yeah. absolutely and you know, there's a place like that in London now, I heard. You know, where yep. it's not just a place to go and shoot arrows, it's also a place to kind of hang out and do other right. stuff. And you know, I, I think um I think there's some merit. Um, to making things very welcoming you know there's a gun range here in Salt Lake City that has done that it's got they, a burger joint they do have a burger joint and a welcoming atmosphere yeah which if you know anything about gun culture walking into a gun shop <laughs> beyond what you've heard from CNN yeah well, I didn't mean that I'm talking about <laughs> uh, you know if you if you're if you're somebody that walks into a gun shop in the United States you do not expect to be greeted in a friendly no, manner and they, yeah. you know you don't get the Nordstrom approach you know what I'm trying to say yeah so it's it's definitely refreshing uh, to see a place that is so uh, uh, nice.
1: <laughs> a lot of <laughs> archery shops in, are the sim- a similar way, though. Yeah. You know, they yeah. Need to, well,
0: that's what I'm saying. I think they yeah. need to fix that.
1: Yeah, be more open to... Uh, I think the archery shops people. that
0: are open to having people and welcoming and be a nice place to hang out, those are the ones with a real future.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And I know, that, I know that there are some people who try to do just that in yeah. the archery industry, but they're few and far between enough that we know who they are. Yep. yep. And that's, that's a problem. I think that's a, something that's an opportunity.
1: You know, when I was over at Hoyt and we had dealer school, one guy said the best move he made was to tell his three or four regulars that would sit at the countertop, say, Hey, you guys I need you guys to go and, you know, hang out elsewhere or, Go in the back and hang out. or Go something. find a bar and order some yeah. Spaten
0: because you're like the three old guys at the bar in Buffalo, New York, yep. drinking Spaten for six hours straight, and you're keeping all the people who want to come in there away from right enjoying yeah,
1: it. Yeah, people go in, they see every you know, four heads turn to look at them like who who the heck is this? And kind of ruin the experience, I guess. Well, or people. make you
0: feel unwelcome. I suppose. I think the most important thing is for them to make them feel welcome.
1: Yeah, they could they could be a positive effect too.
0: Looking ahead. Um, there's uh, some news that you're still not in a position to reveal but let's just say that next year maybe it's a good time to reveal it what is it I was going to talk about the first leg of the Indoor World Cup next year
1: oh I don't know about that
0: not done yet not a done deal yeah okay so we're, we're going to stay away from that one for now
1: and it's not it's not mine to reveal
0: oh fair enough it's World Archery's to reveal but We can hint that, you know, there's some... I don't know if it's happening anymore. Let's hope it does. (laughs) I guess we'll see. All right, where were we? We were talking about the uh, 2018 season. So we've got... um, Obviously, we've got the situation uh, to look forward to with Neem. And then right after Neem, there's a big indoor tournament taking place in Osaka, um, which is being put on by the City Association in Osaka. You know, and uh, that's going to be uh, something I'll be going to and... Uh, it's not going to be the scale of Vegas by any means, but it'll be a fairly big event. Probably the biggest indoor tournament in uh, Asia since the height of the Tokyo Indoor, when the Tokyo Indoor had a couple thousand shooters. So mm-hmm. that'll be a that'll be a good event. Maybe one that you need to think about getting to if they ever schedule in such a way that it's possible to go there and not go to Lancaster. You know, uh, so that you could get to Lancaster as well. But Lancaster's at the same time, so you're going to Lancaster, I presume. Yep. This would be the, how many years now? 14 years, is it? I think it might be 14 or 15 years.
1: Of the Lancaster tournament? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, Robbie's uh, Lancaster event will take place as usual. And then we've got the Vegas shoot. And this year, Bruce um, is pulling out the stops. As you may have heard a couple of podcasts ago. Does Bruce have stops to pull out? No. He just, he's full on. You know, pedal to the floor. (laughs) So uh, it looks like another record-breaking turnout for Vegas. And we'll keep our eye on that, but uh, that's how it's looking right now. And then from Vegas, uh, a two-day turnaround gets you to Yankton, South Dakota for the Indoor World Championship at the NFAA Eastern Archery Complex in Yankton. And then from there, um, Asia Cup in Bangkok is the first big outdoor event of the year. And then from there, we've got Shanghai to start out the World Cup circuit. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this will be uh, at least 10 or maybe 11 Shanghais in a row. So that makes Shanghai the longest running, besides Antalya, Antalya and Shanghai, the longest running venues for World Cup.
1: I hope we go to Shanghai every year that I'm on the team. After that, I do
0: not care. You have any idea what will happen with uh, American team members trying to get into Turkey? Has there been uh, any they've discussion? They lifted that. Actually, it has been lifted. Day.
1: Yeah. Okay. The other day. The Glad to hear. It. were lifted.
0: That seems like an un- unfortunate situation. I
1: tweeted to him and said, "Hey."
0: Oh, that took care of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Hey dudes, I gotta Just get there. Send a point. tweet Maybe. to
0: President Erdogan and.
1: Actually, I don't know if I'll even be on the team for that. We'll we'll re rank by then, and there's a good chance I might not make it on.
0: Well, you know. I Based mean on how
1: we re-rank.
0: It's a competitive environment. Yeah. By the way, we didn't mention this, but Brady. Holy oh, yeah. smokes. Yeah, Brady. What a score.
1: So that at one point, Brady shot a 299-28x Vegas with his recurve.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it would have been a 298 compound FETA score. It was a 299 recurve.
0: Just incredible. I also heard that... Um, one of the shooters, I think it was Paige, had shot what would have been a world record score, but the yes. problem was it was in the second round. Yeah, and so that doesn't count, no matter what you do. No, I,
1: and I, you I, know what? I'm in agreement with world archery. On well, it. me too. But I, she
0: was as well. Oh yeah, no, no, nobody's no, seriously people, questioned. It. Well, fine, but the fact yeah. is that following the rules, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, still, great performance for yeah. Page.
1: You have to separate the two events essentially. So we did four straight. 30 arrow games. And I think there's got to be some formal separation of this is a 600. Yeah. You can't
0: pick the last half of the first one and the first half of the second one, or you can't just cherry pick. You've got to have them. she, She did
1: it in three and four. Yeah. So some thought, well, Hey, maybe this is a world record, but there was a lot of things that weren't in place that are necessary, such as, you know, you didn't have to start with a fresh target face. You could keep your target face going and that makes a pretty big difference. And, and I'll say this: as a shooter, a lot of a lot of my drop points in an indoor round come in the first end or two or three.
0: That black spot in the middle helps.
1: Yeah, and and just getting sighted in, getting you know, rid of some of those nerves. So, I'm not surprised to see it come in the back half, based off of that. You know, I, I've shot a five ninety five where I missed three in the first three ends, and and then, you know, went seventeen ends only dropping two. And that's just kind of how it works. you got to get those first few ends going by. That's why, you know, 600 is so impressive because I'm sure there's been a number of of uh, 598s and, and 597s where first two ends were, were uh, where people fell victim.
0: Yeah, and then after that you start pounding the middle because right. it's easier yeah, to focus on the middle. Yeah, now you're in. Yeah. All right, so Shanghai and Berlin and uh, Salt Lake City for the World Cup outdoor circuit. And um, so that, you know, promises to be another another big year as we uh, get ready to host another World Cup here in Salt Lake City. Yay.
1: I'm not a fan of the World Cup here, not at all.
0: You mean the one here? Not here.
1: Why? Um, it was very, there's, there's too many demands placed on me at, at the one done here.
0: Oh, for you personally? Personally. Well, oh, yeah, because you've got your job to do, plus you were on the team. Yep. And that's you know, and then
1: family shows up and all that. There's just it's too many demands placed on me. <clears> Didn't like it.
0: I think you are the one who volunteered to take people golfing though.
1: That was the best part of the World Cup.
0: Fair enough, I won't argue that. World Field this year. You planning to contest the? Uh, yes, you are the defending champion after all.
1: It's gonna be the hardest part. We'll Be making our team.
0: Tell me about the uh, trials process this time around.
1: Uh, it's gonna be so. It's gonna be a standard. It's gonna go back to our old trials process, which is way better than the one they implemented for one year. Where are the trials? Uh, it's in Darrington, so it's kind of a tough course, but there's, yeah. At the same time, there's enough people who have shot Darrington a, uh, a lot of times that they know where the stake is normally to a target bale, and they go, "Oh, I'm three meters in front of that stake," so that's normally a 50 yard target. So the conversion on that is about 45 and a half yards. I got to ask you this though, Steve. At I 40, mean, four and a half. Just
0: to be frank here, you know. You're going to be able to range these within half a yard anyway,
1: right? But where a point could do it, you know, yeah, that's huge.
0: Yeah, so I'm with you on that.
1: I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, placing a feed a field target, a feed field course on top of an NFA field course. Oh, I, I, I like
0: totally that. agree with you. I think that one of the um, benefits we had from when we had our most of our trials in Ohio is it was basically a fresh course. Yeah, you know. Um, so, I, I think a fresh course is the, the, the fair way to go, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It'll be, it'll no, be but a we're good going selection process.
1: Yeah, we're going back to shoot an unmarked round, shoot a marked round, and then shoot uh, 12 targets, 8 targets, 4 targets. And, you know, you'll cut down through each one of those 12, 8, and 4 um, until we have three people left. And it's just going to be top three scores over all those rounds. So
0: very competitive situation
1: yeah. hope to jump out and just shoot a couple awesome rounds and, and make a move but you know dave's shooting field possibly better than he has ever
0: dave cousins yeah, yeah. he's shooting very well yeah he did well in the um that tournament circuit in, in europe the pro series yeah and he's shooting
1: he shot well at nfa field last year and he and i had a pretty closely contested usa field and Jesse will be there, I'm sure, and, and then I think some other guys will show Dave's up Dave's
0: become a bit more of a specialist these days, hasn't he? He's kind of picking and choosing his battles. Yeah. And I think he's he's done quite well for himself yeah. in that
1: regard. You know, he's done 20-something years of professional archery. At some point, you are almost entitled to not have to go to every event. Almost.
0: Uh, Braden Galantine seems to be doing pretty well these days, and um, I think he'll be a potential contender as well
1: in, uh, for field. Oh, he won't shoot field. You don't think so? No, he's never shot field. Hmm. Okay. I mean, he might. Um, nothing stopping him, but he's never shot feet of field before.
0: So from the standpoint of where things are headed going into this year, what's going to be the thing that you're looking forward to the most?
1: Um, Archery-wise?
0: <laughs> yeah, not not biting a tarpon.
1: Yeah. I would say i'm kind of looking back uh, looking forward to going always to vegas you know now that i've made the vegas shoot off maybe maybe it'll seem a little easier for me i don't know yet i was i was just telling you earlier that i was at probably the lowest point of my recent shooting career the last couple weeks but i've been so sick and on some prescriptions i was just really shooting terribly and uh Today I went and shot, and I got a lot of confidence back, so that's good. Now, yeah, I, you know. But if you'd asked me three hours ago how I felt about the indoor season, I would have said I don't know. And now, now I'm okay. So amazing what you know a good hour practice session will do for you. No, no doubt. But um, so I, I am looking forward to Vegas, shooting it with with uh, with one shoot off, one 900 under my belt. Um, and then I'd say shooting Reading having won the tournament now, you know, not, not trying to get that one in the bag. That should be a little more fun for me because the past three years I've hated every second of Reading.
0: Well, I suppose that it'll be an interesting uh, outcome. World cup uh, outdoor season will conclude in August earlier this year than normal uh, with the finals in Lausanne, which uh, is of course the home of world archery. I imagine that'll probably be uh,
1: uh, a going great back event. to Lausanne.
0: Yes, I uh, participated in the 2008 finale in Lausanne, and uh, that was that was memorable. That was a well done event. Um, every time it seems to uh, come home to world archery, it seems like it's a well done, well done thing. Uh, Pan American Championship will be taking place um, in Medellin this year. After are actually at the same time, uh, same schedule as Lausanne. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out with, you know, with that going uh, on. That's kind of a complication.
1: The Pan Am Championships.
0: Yeah. So, which is a qualifier for Pan Am Games, right? I don't think so. Not not this far out. Pan Am Games will be the year before the Olympics, which is next year. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I think it is a qualifier.
0: You might be right.
1: Yeah, the, the U.S. will be sending a team to you qualify might be right that
0: yeah you might so they're be probably
1: right. gonna have a brady going I, this is what I'd we used to call the coa
0: the... the championship of the americas yeah you know, back in the day
1: so brady's gonna be going yeah. I, I, if he makes the final which is you know he's done like six times in a row he's been saying i think i'd rather have that finals money than uh go and shoot for world archery for free yeah that kind of makes or you USA wonder usa archery
0: yeah it kind of makes you wonder how that's going to be managed but i guess we'll see then we've got the um the field championship in cortina italy uh in september and that should be a well-done event. The Italian courses tend to run toward the more technical um, more technical side of things. Cortina, of course, a mountainous area. Beautiful, beautiful part of Italy. Um, and I think, Steve, that you're going to find that having to prepare for that by going to, through a trials process in Darrington is going to be helpful. Yeah. You're going to want to, you and some of your buddies are going to want to take a target up into Big Cottonwood Canyon and set up some steep shots this year. Yeah. It's what Jay Bars and I used to do when we were preparing for various field events is uh, literally, you know, screw a couple of backpack straps onto a a Stanley Hips target back in the day (laughs) and hike up into the hills. And, you know, there'd be three of us. And uh, one person was responsible for setting the target and ranging where the shooters were and setting the appropriate target up while the shooters had their backs turned. And we'd get some pretty gnarly shots in that way. Me and Jay and his wife, Janet, would uh, would do that fairly regularly.
1: I did that a couple of years ago, 2014 World Championships. I ran up into uh, East Canyon by myself and ran a target up a – I picked a bad hill, but it was one of the only open hills where I felt like I could go shoot a bow and not have people freaking out. But uh, I think every step I took forward, I slid back about – step and a half so it 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 was kind of tough getting up so i ran it up one time went back down it was about 30 i think it was 37 meters and i shot it for 30 meters so it was a pretty gnarly cut and i shot it you know i unloaded a quiver at the target i shot 14 or 15 arrows went back up and i rolled the target down the mountain and i took a video
0: and I think that's perfectly appropriate, you know, looking at it that way. As gnarly a shot as you can come up with, they're going to come up with something gnarlier in Cortina. Yeah.
1: Well, hope to make the team and get to experience it.
0: Yeah, I hope you do too because I I think you, uh, you're the type that's going to want to contest that, uh, you know, keep that world championship title. And um, a hard-earned title it was. Um, pretty sure, I'm trying to think now, it was 2000, I think. They had a world championship, a world field in Cortina in 2000, so 18 years ago. And I, um, if you can find some of the photos from that event, that'll give you a pretty good sense of what you're in for.
1: Check it out. Yeah,
0: yeah that was 2000. So um, I would say at this point, as the sun proceeds to set in the Salt Lake Valley, as the days inch toward getting longer, that we're looking forward to the conclusion of indoor season and getting ready to get back outdoors not that long from now. It's coming up faster than we think, I think. We're already into the first week of January. Pretty soon it'll be it'll be March, and we'll really be seriously thinking about getting outdoors.
1: Yeah. It's, I, uh, I don't know. I'm going to enjoy as much of this indoor season as I can. And then I'm going to go fishing.
0: All right. And that's the bottom line.
1: Because Stone Cold said so. I think that's. That's the end of the show. When the WWE reference hits, that's the end of the show.